This is episode 137 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 137 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I've got Michael Watch on the show. And Michael was on the show about two years ago, and he was just at the beginning of his real estate investing journey. And my, how things have changed. Uh, he's really hit the ground running through the use of coaching and uh, just being really aggressive and never giving up. Michael has uh, built his business and he is flourishing in it. So we talked today about a couple of projects that he's been working on, a recent fiveplex acquisition, as well as some triplex conversion. So he's taking single family homes and converting them into triplexes in the Welland and Niagara area. This was really just an update episode. Wanted to see what Michael was up to. He's always a great guy to talk to. Really smart, really articulate, knows what he's doing. It was an enjoyable conversation. I I trust you're going to enjoy it as well. If uh, you're new to real estate investing and you want to get a leg up, I would suggest grabbing my cash flow spreadsheet on my website, andrew-hines.com. You will see the link there to enter your information and have that sent to you. And uh, if you wouldn't mind just helping out to get this podcast seen and heard by more people, go ahead and leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe and notification bell and leave a comment. Just let us know what you think. Let Michael know what you think. It'd be greatly appreciated. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into episode 137. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Michael Watch on the show for the second time doing a little update here. Michael, thanks for doing this. Not a problem, Andrew. Always good to chat down, uh, to sit down and chat with you. Yeah, well, it's been a while. Like I don't know when we did our uh, last episode. I feel like it was in the '40s or something. It was it was a long time, <laughs> long time ago. Um, what have you been up to? Uh, you know, what? living the dream, uh, trying to trying to scoop up properties, um, trying to connect with good people in the in the industry. I've uh, started coaching a little while ago other real estate investors. Um, and we just bought a small apartment building recently. So definitely some some cool, interesting updates. I, I think it's been about two years since we chatted on uh, on that first podcast. Yeah, if you don't mind, take me back to, to then and what's changed you know, since then. Because I mean, at that time, I think you had a few properties, you're kind of just ramping up. And uh, obviously, I saw that you've been coaching, obviously, you've been moving quite quickly. So uh, how have things changed since the last time you were on the show? Yeah, it was cool. Because uh, for that first one, you asked me to come on um, from your networking event, we chatted after one of the events. And uh, I was just doing my first duplex conversion. And we had, I think, two single family homes as well. So it was just a couple of units. And I was really excited about that first conversion project. Because I was kind of looking at the cash flow that we were going to get, and just going through that whole experience was nice. Um, and then since then, we've just kind of gotten gotten more comfortable with uh, doing more than one project at a time. We've been able to kind of tap into some um, creative financing for 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 a few of the purchases. We've used private money to help. Um, bankroll and do renovations faster, quicker, more than one project at a time. Um, yeah, so that that's been what what we've been up to on the on the real estate side. And then I also um, what's played a big role in that is is hiring a coach. I hired Corey McKinnon to be my my real estate mentor probably about a year and a half ago now. And then um, soon after, we, we realized that we, we had a really similar approach and the same personality in terms of how we looked at a lot of things and, and how we really um, enjoy teaching and educating other people to help them move 
quicker, faster, more efficiently in their growth on the real estate side. Um, so then he, he asked me if I wanted to be one of his coaches because he was getting a lot of interest. Investors were reaching out and he just couldn't take on every single person on his own. So he brought me on since then. He's, he's grown a little bit more. We have a few other coaches as well, but, um, it's, it's been an amazing ride, both, uh, kind of putting together deals while, um, hearing what a ton of other investors are up to and the help that they need and kind of holding their hand and mentoring other investors in our community so that they could keep on scaling their portfolio. So you've been busy, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. Are you still working full time? Uh, I'm just on a leave right now. I took a six month leave and I'm I'm literally halfway through it. So I have a decision to make in three months, but it's going to be really difficult to go back to to full-time nine-to-five job with everything else that I've kind of put into my my regular weekly schedule now. I have my student calls on Wednesdays. They're starting to filter over to to, to Thursdays now. I usually do a check on our properties on, on like Mondays and Fridays sometimes, especially when there's a lot going on. So the simple answer is that I'm, I'm not sure if I can go back to that job. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've got a good thing going. So what's your breakdown right now? Like, what what would your active income be coming from? Would it be the coaching mixed with some of the cash flow from the properties? Or are the properties enough at this point that you could just walk away? Yeah, the, the, the properties, we have numerous projects in progress. So if I kind of look outwards, and once all those stabilize, and and the coaching also keeps on growing. I mean, as long as I'm open to to taking on more students, I think I can um, add, add some additional students to that. But I'd say I'm probably at sixty to seventy percent of my income is from cash flow right now. Um, but but if I continue with the coaching, um, that that will start eating into that a little bit. So we definitely made sure that. Um, because I, I didn't, I, I never planned to be a coach. <laughs> it's just something that I fell into. I, I, I wasn't an, an investor to try to like have this second stream of income. Cash flow mm-hmm. was what we were really banking on, and the strategy that we've been using with the conversions really allowed us to, with every successful project, add to that cash flow pile. Um, and then, uh, so, so that was. I, I, I wanted to make sure that we had that that good base before I thought about leaving the job. And when I started coaching, that just simply accelerated my decision. Yeah, it just helps helps uh, have an extra little bit of income. And I don't think anybody really, you know, who gets into coaching in this business that, you know, started with that in mind, right? But it's, you get these questions, right? People are asking and they want to know. So, so uh, kind of a kind of a win win, right? Yep. So what kind of properties have you been buying since then? So you said you were doing your first duplex conversion. What, you know, what type of stuff did you get yourself into after that? Yeah, I think we we did uh, one or two more duplex conversions. So your standard bungalows, mainly in Welland, one in St. Catharines, adding a legal second suite in the basement. And then um, with the agent that I was working with at the time, he had done a couple of the single family home to three unit conversions. So Outside of those few duplexes, everything other than that has been one to three unit conversions. They're a little bit bigger projects than the duplexes. They take probably a month or two longer. The the rentals obviously cost a little bit more, um, but the cash flow on the back end is is a little bit better for us. 
Um, and then our most recent purchase was a, a five unit. We're, we're, we're planning on adding an additional unit in the basement there. Um, so that, w- that one is, is more of a longer term wealth play. Um, I think it's going to be kind of breaking even maybe slightly negative cash flow on the purchase. And then with every tenant turnover, there's some unrented garages in the back. And if we can add that sixth unit, each of those positive acts is going to really add to bring the value up to that. We have a two-year VTB on it. So I think that's enough runway for me to try to turn that building around and to get as much of our capital back when we go to a conventional lender in two years. This is the five-unit building that you're referring to? Okay. And what's the breakdown of that one? Is it like one beds, two beds? It's all two-bedroom units. and, And we're hoping to... Yeah, so so five two bedroom units. It's it's just a a box. It's a purpose built five plex, and there's just one spot at the bottom of the box on one side that is a big furnace slash laundry slash camera uh, slash storage room. Which I think if we cut away maybe a hundred a hundred fifty square feet for the for the utility items, um, the rest of that could be a nice one, maybe a small two bedroom unit. Oh, very nice. So a little upward potential there in terms of income. Is yeah. there, do you ever look in, in, you know, a property like that at the physical space and, and consider doing an addition? Um, that one, given the lot size, cause we, we did, we did try to perform as much due diligence before, um, closing on it. And we talked to the city, um, I, I don't know if the lot size and the parking setup would allow for, an addition adding of a seventh or or an eighth unit i think i'm trying to do one thing at a time there so firstly with that with that sixth unit if i if i get through that successfully then i would love to talk to the city again in the future because um the two middle units have entrances both at the front and the back of the building and they are about 700 750 square feet so i would love to look into the feasibility of slicing those units in half and making it a seven or an eight it's a little bit more further like it's more of a stretch but um, i'm always thinking like highest and best use what can i do with this Um, there's also some extra grass area in the back because it is quite deep i think it's 175 feet deep Um, after the garages or maybe um, i could put some storage units almost like a sixth Mm -hmm. and a seventh garage so i'm really always thinking about maximizing that that income i think in addition might not fit based on the placement of the building it's kind of further back um on the lot but but it's definitely like i am always thinking along those lines yeah so i mean it, once you start opening that door you can think about a lot of potential uh, potential upgrades i mean we could even stack on top maybe obviously to do that you got to check your your load bearing walls and, and make sure they're they're sufficient but um always got to be thinking about how you can add more income right you got it what tell me about these three unit conversions because i I mean, that's probably been brought up once or twice on this show, but I've, I've never really dug into it. Um, where does it work? How does it work? Tell me about it. Mm-hmm, sure. And, and j- just a precursor to that, as I've chatted with a lot of in- investors over the last year, or so I, I've, I've really, um, it, it's kind of reconfirmed for me that this duplex and triplex strategy is definitely not for everybody. These are big rentals. And even though some investors might make it look easy and they're getting this amazing cash flow on the back end. There are a ton of other investors that just prefer to buy two, three, four unit properties that are already purpose built 
and they might be outdated and they just rent all those buildings or they build brand new or they do a different setup. They, they do additions. But working with a single family home that was built for one family and cutting it into multiple units is definitely an invasive rental. You need patience when you're uh, when your bank account isn't looking too good in month four or five or six of that rental and and there's d- d- delays or the windows are late or or a trade is is uh uh just like too busy so um that's kind of like like an intro that I wanted to give to that because I have walked through some investors through my properties and they just shake their head and they're like this isn't for me <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, um, we started with the bungalows and we, and we realized that it's, it's a cool model to add the one unit in the basement for the two additional units. We're mainly looking at either a four level side split or a four level back split. And, um, even with that, a lot of them don't work because you don't have the door in the back in the right area of the, of the exterior wall to actually give you access to that lowest basement level which is typically where one of the small units goes so we've kind of used the two top levels or the upper unit they have an entrance at the front um the middle unit sometimes we steal the garage space and we actually frame it in we 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 could leave the garage door on the outside or not we just side it over so that middle unit is kind of in using a bit of that third level going down and the garage space and then the lowest level is that lowest part of the basement so a lot of things in terms of the layout of a building need to work for this strategy to even be possible um we we've typically been using the existing hvac like one furnace one ac the two smaller units are anywhere between um, 350 and 500 square feet while the upper unit is is a nice big one even one of my upper units is a four bedroom where um, it definitely a- attracted a lot of a lot of like larger setups but um, we found a nice family to fill that one so yeah that's um it's it it isn't um, a much different rental from a two unit um, the city has now started asking for us to apply for the for the second per, sorry for the permit for the second unit first finishing that unit then applying for that last unit which slows you down even more and it's it's like red tape but it is what it is you need to follow what the city wants so we might have to bring some trades back obviously a second time to to finish off the work in that last unit we're trying to roughen as much as we can but that that's the strategy in a nutshell yeah now is that welland specifically that's allowing this Welland is one of a couple of cities. Um, I think Barrie allows garden suites. I don't know if you can uh, do it within the existing footprint in Barrie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard Kitchener allows garden suites or like laneway houses and, and Toronto based on specific buildings. And I know Hamilton, um, like a few of my students have done single family to three unit or even to yeah. four unit conversions you, you do need a specific yes yeah, house right? and size and 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 in some parts of the city it works better yeah. when you have a laneway in the back for parking but um yeah we, where we've been working in welland if you find the right property as long as you don't change the footprint and you work within it you can legally have those three units in that one house yeah, that's the interesting part that I haven't really heard much about is, it, yeah, of course, the laneway houses for the third unit. That's that's a thing that works in London, too. But yeah, to be able to keep it all inside the same house, not uh, that's not something I hear much about. So yeah, Welland is a little easier to work with, though. I, I know like the people in the city down there are, you know, pro 
intensification and they want to, they want to work with investors. So it's, it's a nice place to work from what I gather and and my, my experience talking to them. Yep. Is that, that's been your experience as well? Yeah. I, if I look at a few projects that we're doing now or or that we've recently completed, um, we've done duplex conversions in, like four, four and a half, five months max. The triplexes have taken six months, maybe six and a half. And and if you compare a city like St. Catharines, um, we're now um, finishing a duplex conversion and, and it's been 10 months already. Mm-hmm. And, and all we're trying to do there is add one legal unit in the basement. And even with the layout that we've done, it's a really choppy layout because we couldn't use all of the square footage in the basement. So it's definitely a tale of two cities in the Niagara region. One is pro um, intensification and, and, and adding more rental stock. And the other city is, is clearly against it. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I've been hearing as as feedback. So that's why so many people seem to be flocking to Welland. I don't know if Fort Erie is quite as easy. Um, I've heard I've heard they can be a little tougher, um, but uh, yeah, definitely still seems like there's some opportunity down there. Do you mind telling me some of the numbers of one of these triplex conversions of how it's worked out, like what you bought one for and how the renovations looked? Sure, um, we we just finished one and and. Even as I compare the numbers on this one to the numbers on like ones that that we just closed on and some of the projections I have, everything has skyrocketed so much in terms of what we're buying at and the rental costs, like the quotes from the contractors, what they're coming back on now. But um, the one that we just finished and and we literally put tenants in uh, two months ago, um, we we bought that one for $475,000. The rental, rental there... Um, was 170. Yep. Okay. Um, and then, uh, it, was there any other numbers on that? So 170 did, did your full triplex conversion? It must yeah. not, it might, yep. must not have needed much work on the upper level. No. Yeah. That, that upper level was pretty much turnkey. We just, um, put a new hydro panel cause we always split the hydro and we built a, a laundry closet and, and, so and it laundry was right closet. Up- yeah. And this yep. was a back split or a side split? It was a side. Uh, this was a, a, a side split. Yep. Because okay. we used the garage for part of the second unit, part of the middle unit. And every unit exits has their own direct exit to the outside. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, that's a pretty cost effective reno compared to some of the numbers I hear come back, you know, considering you're getting two units there. Um, so 170, would that have included you carrying insurance, all that no, stuff? No, I, I would add another, um, probably like a, a good 10,000 for the carrying and insurance and the utilities. Okay. And in, and you finance that privately or cash or combination? No, that was a regular purchase. Um, like getting, okay. get, getting a Scotia mortgage and then just refinancing six, six months later. Okay. What's your, uh, your vibe on them? I guess they don't really care too much if it's just a reno, right? It, but I mean, technically I don't think they love like if you're like gutting a house and they've got the mortgage on it. Right. Um, you know what? I've never gotten into that level of discussion with my broker or with anybody there. Um, like I, I let everybody know. I let my insurance broker mm-hmm. know that hey, here's a strategy that we're using. Here's the estimated time. And Scotia's yeah. seen my name on multiple refinances doing the exact same thing. Oh now. yeah, they should just like it at the end of the day. <laughs> um, okay, so so you're into that one for about six fifty five. What are what are you uh, looking at as a value? 
Um, that that one we actually got the best refi so far. We got seven fifty, um, and and it was it, it was hard because there's no fully renovated triplexes on the market anywhere. Like no one's selling those, so I I had to try to compare it to literally fully renovated single family homes in like some of the better neighborhoods. And luckily there was some good sales at that time, so we ended up getting seven fifty for that. Um, and the bedrooms we have, uh, we have a three upper and then both of the lower ones are one, one of them has, and, and all of them have separate backyards, like where they literally have their own entrance. They, um, and, and they also have private parking, like their own lane of parking in the driveway. Um, and, and the rents that we got on that one were, uh, 1850 plus hydro for the upper, and thirteen fifty plus hydro for the two for the two other units. So we're at forty five fifty. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so, they are. So let, let's go through those rents actually. So yeah, so your total is for the. So you said how much for the upper? Uh, Eighteen fifty plus hydro. That's pretty good for well in rents. Okay, and that's a four bed or three bed? Three bed. Okay. Plus, then you said thirteen fifty for the lowers. Yep. So times two, and I'm sure you did those pretty nice so that uh, they would attract a, a tenant quick, quickly. Yeah. Other than using like, like quartz <laughs> countertops, we go kind of all out and we make them as nice as we can. We're definitely at the top of the market when we're advertising these things, especially when you have a private backyard as well. And, and the dishwasher and the stackable washer dryer and, and the parking and, and they're all in like a-level neighborhoods we're not buying in, in like B or C. So when you put all that together, these tenants really appreciate living among other families and they just happen to be living in a triplex. Gotcha. Okay. So you mean pot lights is something you're doing? Yep. Um, anything else you do to make it nice? I'm guessing you're doing like tile and, and vinyl plank um, yeah, services. Yeah, we, um, we, we do luxury vinyl plank, like gray, gray walls, um, we do tile the showers so that they look nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the vanities are always sharp and like modern um, okay. pot lights wherever we can. In the basements, we don't always put too many pot lights. We might do a few strategic ones. We do put them um, like we had six or eight in the upstairs living room for the upper unit. Otherwise, um, it's uh, like all the appliances are brand new. So when you w- when you're the first person renting that unit, it just it looks really sharp. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think so. So you don't go quartz. You, you stop no. short of that. I guess you don't really need to, right? Well, and it's probably, it's probably a little easier to stand out without doing that. Yeah, we've been, we've been doing okay with the laminate and it, it, it matches the walls and the floor. If in three, four, five, six years, I realize that a lot of these countertops have been damaged, maybe that's when I take some of the mm-hmm. cash flow from the years and I, upgrade every every countertop at turnover so that they last even longer but right now we're trying to balance putting together a gay unit and being cost effective where we can awesome okay so what are your taxes going to look like on that after they're reassessed um this one was i think 310 a month they're all around 300 dollars. that's the number i tell everybody to use but this one was just a little okay. bit more than that and then insurance on that. Once you've finished your renovation, what's your ongoing insurance? Uh, we're at like one sixty a month right now. Okay, so that's going to be about nineteen hundred a year. Uh, maintenance. Yeah, I'm assuming you've done windows. Uh, have you or 
yeah yeah okay. usually a lot of the windows need to be upgraded yeah. the the main entry door are also brand new um so so yeah you can put in whatever whatever you need to Would do you do five percent like is that sure. is that that's 2700 a year i don't know if you'll spend that, that or not yeah okay so then utilities wise um you're still paying for some stuff what do you figure you're going to be into so we always buy out our um hot water tanks so we don't um there's only one property where we're paying a rental there um and, and then we cap our leases for the water and the gas at 300 per house mm-hmm. and and we haven't had issues with that so I, I i put in 300 but from all the numbers i run we're usually in that 280 290 a month range for water um and gas okay and management are you self-managing uh no you can put in a property manager. Um, we're at a, it comes out to like 8%, I'd say. Okay. 8%. And then landscaping, are you paying for that or do the tenants do it? The tenants so far have been doing that. Okay. So their own snow, snow shoveling, all that, that's yep. all good. Okay. So then we'll just leave in a miscellaneous of 500 there and yep. you're going to have, so 750 value. So your cap rate on that is 4.89. Um, it's interesting that Welland's finally below a five. The banks are finally seeing seeing it happening. Okay, so if you did an eighty percent mortgage, thirty years, what what kind of rate are you getting? Uh, that one was two point one. Okay, and yes, yeah, so you're getting like eight hundred bucks in cash flow. Does that sound about right? Yep. Yep. That's yeah. That's pretty fantastic. So your mortgage, yeah, total total payment if it's eighty percent, six hundred grand, is yeah twenty two forty five. So that's uh, not not a huge payment for how much rent you're pulling in at uh, forty five fifty, and then yeah, just yeah, all those I, other ones. It, I I always like doing napkin math, and and I I don't focus on cap rates too much for these like two three unit buildings. I'm I'm looking at cash flow and just ROI as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at like if I appreciate at three to four percent, which we obviously know it's it's been way higher than that. And I have my mortgage pay down, especially on these higher mortgages. It can quickly put a dent over 12 months and you have the cash flow. If I'm somewhere at a minimum of like 30, 35, 40%, I'm very happy with that projected mm-hmm. ROI. Um, especially oh, when yeah, I you're higher that, than that, I think. Let's see yeah, here. I, on this one, I think it was it, it was better, but um yeah. Like yeah, 70%. I, I got like 69.9-ish. Um, yeah, so, well, and that's actually even wrong. So yeah, no, you're like, I think you're over 80 from what I can see. Don't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. It it, it was definitely a good one because, um, during the rentals on that one was really when everything was skyrocketed in terms of values. And I, I think for that one, when, when I ran my pro formas, um, I was probably guesstimating like 625, 650, 675, 700. And I was okay with the mm-hmm. worst case scenario. If I refied at 625 and I barely got all my rental costs back, I was okay with that. Um, and and mo- most of our purchases have been that way where like it, I, I, at some point you need to trust that you're buying like a really nice property and you're going to have good tenants in it. And if you leave a little bit more money in it, after that first refi, you have to be okay with that. And, and so it's been, uh, we've been fortunate on, on a couple of them that things have either the rents have been a lot higher on the back end when we actually go to rent it out or the refis come in a little bit stronger than we, than we envisioned. 
Yeah, it's just happening so fast. That that's the big thing, right? I mean, it used to be you do these little rentals and you couldn't get all the money out and you'd have to wait unless you bought really well, you bought at a really good price point. But now it's it's like you could wait one more year and just refinance again doing nothing and get all your money back out. Heck, you could probably just go in and buy this property, no renovations, and then go back a year later and then just get all your money out. The way things have been going doesn't mean that's going to continue. But yeah, it's 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 definitely not healthy. It's not something that I want to continue. It makes it so hard for everybody trying to get into the market. And it's it's not just the reappraisal values, but it's every single one of those components. It's what you're paying for it to buy it, what you're paying the contractors. Our first rental was like 120,000 two years ago. Now we're at like s- some of our rentals are like 180, 190 that we're working on now. So mm-hmm. things have almost doubled in those two years, like at least up 50, 60%. Um, so, and, and, and the rents are going up like really quickly as well. It's, it's not not sustainable. It doesn't make for like healthy components of a balanced market that you want. And I see what's happening from the tenant side as well, right? On one hand, we want to provide really nice units and charge market rents for them. But I see a lot of tenants struggling to be able to find rentals as well, because there isn't a lot of affordable housing out there. And like, we're, we're not exactly putting together like pure affordable units, neither is the government or anybody else. So mm-hmm. it, it kind of has made for a, for a perfect storm. Yeah, that's uh well put. I, I don't like it. I I hate it. <laughs> I, I like steady growth. I, I don't I don't yep. like the explosive growth. It just it's so hard to have a system down. Um, but I mean, on the nice the nice side of it is, like, there's only so little that if you're doing like a triplex that it could rent for, right? Like, how bad could it really go if you had to rent, you know, two hundred bucks less per unit? You'd still be cash flowing here. And uh, if you get pleasantly surprised and rents are higher, then you know, all the better, right? For sure. It's, it's, um, I'm in it for the long term. And this is about acquiring the best assets that I can find. And I plan on holding all of them for minimum 10, 15 years, if not longer. So a, a refi value that's lower or some rents that don't come in where they, where they should. Um, it's just like temporary slowdowns. It's not anything that I'm going to stress about. Yeah. So you still have enough surplus cash flow out in other properties that it's not going to matter if you have one that comes in a little light. Uh, that, you know, eventually you can get that back up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So Michael, what's the goal with all this? Like, what are you trying to get to? How many units? Is there a, you know, a financial freedom goal for you? Uh, tell me about it. I, I feel like the goal keeps on shifting and it's, it's just natural as you accomplish and, and get to that next step, or you have these new um, opportunities that come up and you, and you, um, are successful in them, you realize, wow, I've gotten to this like second or this third level. Now, all of a sudden, the sky is the limit. I can get so much higher. So I feel like this whirlwind journey over the last two, three years has has kind of felt like that for me. Um, it was initially just to replace my monthly take-home pay for my full-time job. And so after after a couple, like a handful of, of really good deals, I kind of did that. And then the coaching came on. And so now, now I'm thinking, well, if I can help my wife leave her job as well, and I don't go back, how, how do our numbers look if we have cash flow? Like we have JV partners that want to buy some more properties with us. 
We have the coaching business, which I can keep on scaling and growing if I, if I want to. And then I have like my, my wife's resources and her like full week, every single week to help me in the business. Cause I definitely would love a lot of her help on the back end, on the bookkeeping side, on keeping me organized. So, um, it, it's, it's never been units. It, it was kind of initially cash flow, but now I just feel like, the busier we get and, and, and it's all fun. I, I love it all. I am looking towards like a point in the future where I would love to have a good balance of we have some good properties. We have this awesome coaching business or whatever other businesses we end up getting into. And then we, we are working the amount of hours per week that is just right for us where we can enjoy life. We can travel. I think our last purchase maybe in the next little while, or, or one of our last ones might be buying a cottage where we could rent it out and we could stay up there for extended periods of time that would really add to that lifestyle component. So it's not, it's not so much about numbers or about cash flow. It's never been about units. I, I actually want less units if I could do it and just have like really efficient units with stronger cash flow. So I'll probably be one of those people where I get to my, my, my top number of properties and units. And then I'm like, okay, I have too many right now. What do I want to sell off? And then use that money to maybe pay off some of the other properties or just get into private lending, something more passive. So I'm still in that growth phase, but definitely looking towards the future and making sure that what we're doing aligns with the lifestyle that we want to have. Yeah, that's what I find it more lately than ever is, is I don't just want to be busy. I want to structure things smarter, better, bigger. Um, but of course, yeah, the, the situation, everything happening in Canada, it's like, where are we and where are we actually going to go and, you know, kind of pivoting. So I, I would say for me, that's kind of slowed things down a little bit as to how, how uh, quickly I'd be moving, which is why I'm actually so impressed with you because your, your core progress has been right through, you know, all this madness. <laughs> and, uh, I don't think you missed a beat, right? You're just going, you know, going ever since the first lockdown, you've been, you've been pushing hard and, and getting a lot of results. It's been, uh, there's definitely been scary times and, and days or weeks where I just felt hesitant and I would, I would question everything. I'm like, why am I pushing forward here where like in this direction where it seems like everything and all these decisions happening that are out of our control are pushing against us. <laughs> and yeah. then you, you have all these doubts are like, about what the future is going to look like for us in this province, in this country, and um, how we're going to be able to like bring up our kids in the way that we were brought up, right? With all the mm -hmm. freedoms that we value. So um, it's definitely um, taken a lot of energy and just constant conversations with with my wife. I think we we make an awesome team where we can um, spend like hours just brainstorming and saying, well, if this happens, here's a plan B and a plan C. And, and this is why we think this direction going in this way or buying this property or whatever it is, is the right one for us. And, and obviously there's still a lot of, a lot of things to be, um, uh, a lot of questions to be answered out there. We'll see what happens. Like there's an election in a couple of weeks. Um, we'll see what decisions keep on being made going forward. And I know that we're just going to keep on pivoting and growing in the best way for us. And if we, yeah. if we need to move up North to a cottage, we'll do that. If we need to move to another province or country, um, we, we will do that as well. Yeah. <laughs> just like you, right. You are, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of like-minded individuals in our group and our network that are probably asking very similar questions. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can add in Matt McKeever's uh, Citadel. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the point it's gotten to where there are people who, who are very well respected, who are actually, you know, talking about plans to, to move off grid. Um, it's a hard thing, right? It's hard for any of us to, to get into this because we want to focus on business being successful, you know, what we got going on. And then, you know, like you said, not focus on things out of our control. Uh, I think that the, the what we can do is, yeah, kind of plan strategically and have a plan B. And I think so. So is part of your plan B potentially moving out of country or that's maybe a plan C if it, if it ever came to that? Yeah, it's 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 definitely one of the options. I don't know if it's the next the next option. Maybe it's not a B, but everything's up up for debate right now. Um, mm-hmm. I never want to close a door on an option. I think that's what's allowed us to get to where we are, not only in, in real estate, but just in life in general. We have we have a really optimistic mindset and approach to things and we we'll always find the mm-hmm. best the best way out of whatever is is thrown at us. Um, and that that's the mindset I try to pass on to any investor, any student that I talk to that's going through a rough time or is questioning things or is like, like I was having a conversation with somebody who was a flipper recently and they said, well, what if party Y comes into power and they put a flipping tax or, or, or they don't let us do flipping for the next year? Like that can that can cripple you in your mind if you like doubt and, and you're not sure what, what's going to happen next. So I feel like we're always having those discussions about positive mindset. And well, yeah. if this happens, then we can move this way or, or we can do this. Well, this is this is a good discussion. I think this is going to be valuable for a lot of people because I've had conversations with people where they've actually said, well, Andrew, I wish I wish you'd say say stuff more often and where I'm trying to keep the podcast more about real estate, but it's hard to ignore the elephant in the room, right? Yeah. So um talk to me a little bit more like how, how are you keeping people positive um you know how do you break situations down because i think our, our listeners and viewers would probably get a lot out of that um how to keep positive and keep focused on the goal like what are some of the tactics you use mm-hmm. um well many <laughs> we get on on weekly calls with our students and um there's been so many weeks where literally i'll have a couple of them and they're just like in uh in the wrong mind space because something's happened um maybe they lost the deal or there's an issue with the tenant or like financing isn't coming through or there's delays like it could be a plethora of items or it could, it could even be something at home or or something that they're seeing on the news that they don't agree with and they feel powerless so we we kind of break that down and and I'm I'm there just just to be another person to listen to them hear them out and then talk about positive things that, like remind them hey compared to everything else that you've accomplished and that you've done this is probably a small thing like everybody goes through these moments um, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like mm-hmm. let's let let's focus on the specific tasks that you need to do this week or the next week. A couple of action items that that are going to like move you closer to that goal every single day. The goals that you have, whether it's life goals or financial goals, real estate or not. So, like I, I think that's that's one of the first things that, that I do is I try to break down that problem and just put things in in perspective for them. Obviously, what what's been happening 
in the world and like in the in the political world that's a little bit harder to get a handle on and and not not all of us are even on the same page on that right obviously there's a majority of people that feel one way and a minority that feels a different way so that that's a more difficult subject but um I, I definitely like there are select in, investors and family and friends in my life that we're we are constantly brainstorming and thinking, hey, how do we how do we like act the right way today, but also set ourselves up for success in the future? Like we want to be me and Corey talk about this all the time. We need to be leaders to these students, to the people that follow us. We need to be sharing the right messages and sharing them with taste. Um, right. So um, we definitely always, always want to do that, but um, there are, I, I think there's always going to be difficult conversations to have, um, whether you're talking about real estate or the state of our country or province. And it's just a matter of like having, uh, making reasonable points, talking about facts. Mm-hmm. And if you agree to disagree at the end of the day with, with somebody, it has to be that way. Oh yeah. Agree to disagree is a, it's like a, lost concept these days i'm always good to agree to disagree that <laughs> mutual respect thing is uh, is a is a big thing um so ho- hopefully people can can figure that one out again i think like lots in our circles like we get it but uh yeah not not everywhere but <laughs> all the same um i did want to shift gears a little bit and uh you know just kind of knowing the state of the market how things have changed if you're working with your your coaching students now where are you telling them uh, makes sense to invest or how do you approach that conversation of where are we going to look i think i might have a little bit of a feel of how you're going to answer this but i wanted to let you do it so um tell me tell me what's your approach if somebody's kind of looking for a little bit of direction as to where they get started Mm-hmm. Yeah, and many many investors, not just students, but investors in general, have a hard time picking a market. Like they live in Peterborough or in Brampton or in Hamilton or in the Niagara region or London or even in another province, and they just have no idea where to buy that property, or even which strategy to use. Like, should I be buying a a, a triplex that's already existing or doing a duplex conversion or looking at bigger buildings. Or I heard a podcast about short-term rentals. I want to do that. <laughs> so um, it, it definitely um, takes some discussions at the front end. And we, we we typically have them do an exercise where we ask them to analyze five to six cities and to look at the rents and the average prices there and the demographics and what industries are successful there. So I want to at least get a feel of, hey, like, I'm not going to do all the work for you. Like you live in you live in uh, Peterborough, so I'm going to definitely tell you to cover one hour around there because that's closest to home and it's going to be easiest. No, I asked them to do that research as with so many other things within that kind of coaching approach. And then when they come back with a couple of cities, we kind of talk about the pros and cons of those areas. So uh, at the end of the day, there are so many cities right now that you can buy good properties in. I had a student recently that that was buying in like Brantford and in Toronto. He had a couple of properties. He did the rentals, got got really good burrs out of them. And then he he, he kind of kept on looking there. He was looking on market, off market, got tired of those two cities. And he asked me if he should look in the Niagara region. So I said, yeah, sure. Talk to this, this and this agent. Tell him, tell him that you're pre-qualified, that you're good to go. You're looking for two to four units. The next day, he found one of the nicest fourplexes that I've seen scooped off, off MLS as soon as it hit the market a few hours later, because he did exactly what I asked him to do. He called the agent. He said, I'm ready to go. And that agent was actually 
gonna buy the property on his own so he's like as soon as this guy called he wanted him to have it um but uh yeah most most investors tend to be kind of sticking within an hour radius of their principal residence there's always going to be some that hey i'm going to get a property manager anyways i'm okay going to windsor or chatham or london and i live two three hours away but um as as long as you're investing in, in some of these bigger cities that have solid populations good employers um that like a lot of people are coming to those cities because they they either have work there or they like the feel of them or they're just tired of living where they are though those, those cities are always going to have high demand from tenants and if you're buying in a decent neighborhood it's probably going to be a good a good property to hold for a long time yeah that makes a lot of sense um and i'm with you on you know keeping the uh, the options open as to the city I don't think it needs to be any one specific place. And um, I think it makes more sense to go where the opportunity seems the greatest and build systems for, for, for my, my standpoint, which is why I'm invested in Florida now, <laughs> which is very far away. <laughs> um, anyways. Okay, Michael, it's, uh, it's always great talking to you. And if people wanted to follow you or get in touch, where should we send them? I'd say the best place is Instagram um, at watch properties w-a-c-h properties that's where i'm the most active i I do a little bit on my private facebook account as well under my name michael watch but uh instagram is the best place if they have any questions and they want to reach out or pick my brain on on anything i love talking real estate i really enjoy helping other people in their journeys as well so thanks for having me on andrew always appreciate it yeah thank you and just before we wrap her up uh do you have any final words of wisdom if you had to put it in a nutshell uh what's what's the one thing you want to leave as a parting word here i i would say don't give up um i i i never enjoy talking to another investor or a student where they have kind of given up on a task where if they just keep on trying if they keep on putting in that consistent effort whether it's finding a handyman or finding a property like where the numbers make sense or picking the the right city like often people just make it sound like it's too hard and they don't want to do it anymore while they could be so close to unlocking the answer or that thing that they need so that that's my advice i was talking to somebody at golf recently who just having a heck of a time finding a handyman and i said well how many have you reached out to and he said like two or three and they're all busy they're all like booking out i'm like two or three are you kidding me when i when i'm in need of somebody a contractor or or a realtor i go on the forums i go on facebook i i message a ton of people in my network i put a ghost ads on kijiji i reach out to family and friends i ask for referrals like there are so many rocks that you can uncover so just don't give up if you're looking for an answer and you haven't found it yet you just haven't asked the right people so that's my advice yeah, you know, almost time to an- analyze the motivation because yes, where, where there's a will, there's always a way. And I can certainly relate to that. Like when you got no other option, but to be successful or to, to make it work, you find a way. So yeah, 100%. I agree with you completely. Yeah, you got you can't give up. So, all right, Michael, thanks a lot for this. Um, really appreciate it. I'll get this posted for you. And uh, I'm sure lots of people are going to enjoy listening to this one. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. Uh